Hello, everyone. How are you? All right. The, the people that are together over here, they got a little bit more excited about it, so I'll, I'll come over here to the baptistry side. How are you? All right. That's so good. Is anybody here for the very first time? Is this, is this anyone's first time? If you're watching online, this is your first time ever watching Woodburn, hit the, the clapping hands, whatever that's, what, is that a button, David? Is that called a button? What is that called? Y'all know what that is. The clapping hands one, if this is your first time, hit that. So that means all of you people here at eight o'clock, you are old folks, is that what that means? I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what that means. But thank you all for being here. Thank you for all you people. Um, probably at the other services, there's going to be new people. And I was going to tell my joke of, I'm really sorry that your first time here was with me, but maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll figure it out. So today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. So go on and, uh, go on and turn there. Whenever Tim asked me to preach however many months ago, the first phrase that came to my mind was back to basics, back to the basics. And uh, initially I thought, okay, well, that's the gospel. You know, the gospel is the basics, you know, the, the story of Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and was raised again for our sins. That's the, that's the basics, right? And I thought, well, not really, not really. What are, what are the basics? So I went all the way back to Genesis and I found that everything comes down to one word in all of scripture and everything that we have in our faith, it all comes down to one word. Any guesses on what that word is? Love, I like it. Anyone else, any other guesses? Sin, okay, we're gonna come back over here. What else does it come down to? What is the one word? I'm just playing. Say it. Creation, okay. It has an I-O-N at the end, or at least my thinking. The word is relationship. The word is relationship. So all throughout scripture, everything you see, everything you hear about has to do with relationship. And so I went to Genesis chapter three to really understand the relationship. So I'm gonna read pretty much the entire chapter. It said the serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So let's pause there for a second, all right? Let's just, let's just hit pause. Whenever a telemarketer calls, what do you do? All of you said it. You hang up. You hang up the phone. All right? There's a few of you crazy people that are like, well, hey, how's it going? What are y'all up to? What's, it, what's your mama's name? You know, that might be me. And you just talk to them because it's another person in India that you've never met before. And it's like, you know what? Let's, let's chat. You know, let's, I know your name's not really Jim, but that's fine. We're going to get to know each other. That's the problem with me. When a telemarketer calls, you hang up the phone because you're afraid that they may sell you something that you really don't want and your car warranty's not even up yet, okay? That's, that's why you hang up the phone. Right here, Eve's first mistake is that she entered into a conversation with Satan. She entered into a dialogue. She entered into a discussion with Satan. Let me tell you something you may already know. Satan is smarter than you are. All right, that's not, that's not me being funny. It is kind of funny, but it's not me being funny. It is the truth. Satan is smarter, he is shrewder, and he is way better at twisting words than anyone else that we're going to encounter. So 
rule number one, thing to pay attention to number one is when Satan calls, hang up the phone. So let's pick back up in verse four. He says, you won't die, the certain replied. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the, cool, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to them, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because of this, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the wild animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife, and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat. Until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from the dust, and the dust you will return." Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. It's all about relationship. So understand, we are made for relationship. Just a chapter before this, God declared it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he made him a helpmeet, he made him Eve, he made him a, a spouse. So God realized nearly immediately that, God, that, that, that what he had created was designed for relationship. God made us in his image, God is made for relationship, God is set up for relationship, so if we are in his image, then we are created for relationship. And, and something to also note, he said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. That was the first time that we hear anything that wasn't good. Prior to this, all through chapter one, all through chapter two, until the very end of chapter two, everything has been declared good. And even whenever Eve was made by, by Adam's rib that he declared it good, Adam said, whoa, man. Now that was funny. <laughs> he, just, he saw her woman. So everything up to this point has been good. And God told them not to eat 
of the knowledge of good and evil, and yet this is the first time that we see evil is whenever they ate from this tree. So now there is a dichotomy. There is a separation between good and evil because this is the first commandment that was ever broken through all of history. So we were made for a relationship. And how, do I, how can I see that, that God and Adam had relationship? God and, and the first couple had relationship. In verse 8, we see that they knew the sound of God, that they heard him walking in the garden. They knew his sounds. They knew his rhythms. It was the cool of the day, and they knew to expect God at that time. They knew the sounds of him. They knew his voice. Whenever he called for them and said, where are you Adam answered. He didn't question whether or not it was some crazy squirrel. He didn't know if it was the the cows that had been grazing speaking to him. He knew the voice of God. He said, where are you? And Adam answered. So we had an intimate relationship in the very beginning. It said that, that Adam walked with God in the garden. So it's all about relationship. However, we today, we kinda we kind of mess this up. We, we look at all of these things and we read that in chapter two about God said, listen, you don't need, you can eat anything. All of these things are here for you to eat, but you probably shouldn't eat the, the, the one here, the, 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 the tree of life, and also don't eat the one of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because you'll die. You, you're going to die. And we as a society, or we as the, even the church, that we look at a lot of these things as rules. We look at all of, all of religion as a rule. So we say, okay, we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't do this. this are, these are all the things that we cannot do. We use an exclusive mindset. We exclude things of what we cannot do, as, as opposed to what God does, where he says, this is inclusive. Here, here are the things that you can do. I want you to think about it this way. If everybody will, will you stand up? Stand up for just a second. I know y'all are already getting bored, so I need to get you moving a little bit. So it's going to be hard for you people over here, but you guys are going to be able to do it really well. I want you to spread your arms out like this. Spread your arms out like this, and I want you to just kind of twist. I want you to twist a little bit. Get those obliques going. Let's figure it out. Move them a little bit. All right. Y'all got this figured out. Y'all kind of y'all imagine a circle. Everything that you can reach right here. This is a circle. Y'all keep doing it. Let's, can we get like a, let's get a beat going, David. Uh, yeah, let's go. I like it. Bend your knee a little bit. You're like, oh, you kind of got to bump it a little. That was totally, I didn't, I didn't design that. I didn't, I didn't plan that. That just worked out. So if you can imagine a circle around yourself, God says that everything inside of that circle is yours. You can do anything inside of this circle. Everything outside of the circle is bad for you. I'm not trying to keep anything from you. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. I'm not trying to, you know, make your life less fun. It's just because you will die. Is, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I on, David? Is it it's working? So God said that anything outside of here is bad for you. It's probably not a good idea to lie to one another because your relationships are going to suffer. He gave us these Ten Commandments not as a way to to keep us from having fun. He said, this is what is going to make your life the best. And I came to bring you life and to give you more abundant life. That's what I designed you for. And so everything that's inside of this circle, y'all sit. I was like, wow, I'm standing ovation. Let's go. I just realized that (laughs) y'all... Y'all didn't want to stand up the whole time. Everything that's inside of this circle I designed specifically for you, and everything that I designed specifically for you is good. 
because everything that God created was declared good. Am I, Sharon, am I, I'm, I'm by myself up here. I don't know. Somebody, can I get an amen or something? That's good. That's good preaching, and I'm, I'm upset you're not listening. And the way that the devil really twists the words and the way that we still hear these things today is that the devil said, the, the serpent said at the very beginning, he said, you can't eat of any of these trees. You can't eat of any of the trees. And Eve had it partially right. She said, well, no, no, we can eat any of the trees, but we just can't eat that one. If we touch it or if we eat of it, we'll, we'll die. And so he starts, to, he starts to twist the words of God. He starts to twist the things. And, and that's even what the Pharisees did, is the Pharisees created rules on top of rules on top of rules that kept you far away from the commandments. And it made it harder and harder to have a relationship with God. What Satan is doing is twisting and manipulating the words that God actually said. He goes, listen, you can eat of anything in this garden, but it's best for you if you don't eat of that one because you'll die. And the quicker that we can realize that the things that God keeps from us are better for us, are things that are there to prosper us, are to make us better, because everything outside of that will truly kill us. You will surely die is what he said. And so now we see that the fall actually attacks relationships. So we, we've, we've talked about this whole time that we were designed for relationship, that it's all about relationship and it's not about rules. But we see that even in the fall, we understand more that relationship is so important because whenever God talks to them, the things that they go against are relationship. If you look at, if I can get that page flip, we're going to get it. If we look at how they responded to one another, you even see that Adam was asked, like, well, did you eat of that? And he said, well, it was the woman. It was the woman. It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't do it. It was the woman. And if you'll notice here, he said, it was the woman that you gave me. So not only does he blame the woman, listen, it's usually the wife's fault anyways, right? You know, can I, can I get an amen on that one? Oh, there's going to be some relationship problems tonight. But not only did he try to blame the woman, but he also blamed God in this point. He said, it's the woman that you gave me. She's the one that did all of this. So they, they mess up, they have problems, and immediately they start pointing at the person they're in relationship with. So not only is Adam in relationship with God, he said, it's the woman that you gave me. But he's also in a relationship with Eve, and he said, it's her fault. It's her fault. Look at what, look at what um, Eve does. Eve doesn't take responsibility for it either. She said it was the serpent. The serpent deceived me. Now, granted, that's the very first thing that was spoken in truth because she was truly deceived. But instead of going, hey, I did it, I messed up, she still went to blame someone else. It was always someone else's fault. And if you look at what the causes are, what the effects are, excuse me, of, of the fall, it even points more and more towards your relationship. So with Eve, her, her curse, if you will, is painful pregnancy. It's painful birth. And I can't help but thinking that God was personifying his own hurt 
in this moment that he goes, man, I brought life into this world and it really pains me right now. I'm in such agony over this life that I created because they've completely destroyed our relationship together. They've completely ruined this, this thing that we had that I created that was good. And so Eve, now in order to bring life into the world, now it's going to have pain. It's going to have pain, and not just the physical birth, but it says that, it says that birth and childbearing will have pain. Let me read it just let me read it specifically. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. Now, not just specifically at that moment whenever they're, they're giving birth, is that the only pain? Any, any moms in here? Somebody, somebody raise your hand if you're a mama. Raise it up high. Gretchen Cherry wasn't really excited about it. She's like, I'm kind of like this. All of you moms out here, does anybody worry about your kids? Does anybody feel any kind of agony about what your kids are doing right now and whether or not they're safe and every single day of your life you're going to continue to worry about your children? Am I still up here by myself? Can I get, y'all know, know where I'm going here. So in birth, in the bringing of life, we will continue to agonize about it. There will continue to be pain in that moment. And I, I can't help but thinking that that's exactly how God felt. In this moment, God said, man, I'm, I am hurt. I'm hurt by what you did. I'm hurt by the severing of this relationship. And he proved that through Eve. He also said that you will desire your husband. You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. I feel like we can have a sermon right in there. I'm not going to jump all both feet into that. I'm going to tiptoe in it because I do still want to be married whenever I get home as well. But you will desire to control your husband. You will desire to control your husband. Here's one thing that I want to say to you men first. I'm going to lead with this before I say the next thing, women, so I need a couple of brownie points. Men, it's time for us to be the men that our wives and our spouses need to lead them. Can I? Let's go. It's time that we step up to the plate to be the men, to be the men of God that our spouses and the women in our lives need us to be. We can't just specifically say, well, wives, you're supposed to submit. I'm going to rule over you. That's what the book says. But we need to be deserving of that role. We need to do the things every single day to be deserving of their admiration, to be deserving of the position that God has placed us in. Man, we got really quiet on that one. We need to be deserving. But yet a woman will desire to control her husband. I think in our world today that we have this grinding of roles. We have this abrasion between what a role of a man and what the role of a woman is. I'm not, I'm not gonna jump much further into that than that right there, but there is a question mark around what is our place? And I'm not saying, saying y'all need to stay in the kitchen or anything like that. Please don't, don't tweet about this. But I think that there is a grinding and an abrasion between what the roles are between a man and between a woman. And that's coming specifically from the book. But men don't get off easy at all. It says that since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. 
to scratch a living from it. So this relationship and the breaking of this relationship has lifelong consequences, not just the bringing of life into the world, but also the keeping of life. It says from the ground you will eat, you will eat of its grains is what it says right there in scripture. So the thing that keeps us alive, that continues our life, the the life-giving nourishment will come with difficulty. From the sweat of your brow, you will make a living. You'll make a living in that place and it's gonna be difficult and it's gonna be hard. I thought about this. Anybody know anything about thistles? Anybody know anything about thorns? We got any farmers in the room? I'm keeping my eyes away from the farmers that I already know are in the room. So obviously that's a, that's a specific and a deliberate thing, an, a, an obvious example are thorns and thistles and weeds and mare's tail. That's from the devil right there. But anybody else got any thistles going on in their lives? Anybody else working through some things in their life? Maybe it's at their work. Maybe it's in their relationships. That you're, It's just through the sweat of your brow that you're trying to figure it out. You're just trying to survive. You're trying to find a way to live through all of these things that spring up out of the ground that seems like it never happened. Maybe COVID. Maybe COVID's a little bit of a thistle in our life. Now, granted, it might be going away and we might be on the, the better side of it, but this is something that's going to rub us raw for forever. And I think God is trying to give us an example of these things that are going to spring up in our lives over and over and over again. The difference in this relationship and the relationship that we have with everybody else is this relationship with God, it has a ruler. And I think that we have struggle to realize that, yes, we want to be in a relationship with God. Yes, we want to know more about him. Yes, we want to come to church, all of these things. But until it rules our life, until we allow him to rule our life, then the relationship is never going to be complete. The God of the universe, the creator of all of all things, designed us for a relationship, designed us to be in communion with him, but also to follow him, to also to listen, to pay full attention to his will to what he desires for our life and not what we desire for our life. This relationship has a ruler and this relationship has also been redeemed. I love in the first conversation, the very first thing that God says after his initial questions, his declaration is to the serpent right? He declares to the serpent and he says that you will now be the worst. You're, because you have done this, you are going to be more cursed, more than all the wild animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, hostility between you and the woman. Once again, this has lifelong consequences because it says your offspring and her offspring, so all the people that live from then on are going to have this animosity, this difficulty between ourselves and Satan. But he says something right here that I think is so profound that he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So the wound to the serpent will be a life blow. It will be a, a, a deadly blow to the head, said so he will strike your head. Some translations say that it will bruise your heel, it will bruise your head, it will bruise your heel. So that means that, yeah, what would you rather have? Would you rather be hit in the face or would you rather be hit in the 
heal. Don't worry, I'll wait. It's better. You'd rather be hitting the heel. And I can't help but think that God had already worked out salvation within minutes of the fall. Uh, we don't know how long this was. It said it was the cool of the day. You know, we can hypothesize all we want to, but that in his first statements, God had already worked out salvation because that's exactly what happened with Christ. Christ made a death blow to the devil when he died on the cross, but he rose again in three days and his heel was the only thing, a tiny little flesh wound that was made by the piercing of his hands and the cutting of his side. He lived again, but Satan was conquered. Man, y'all, come, please help me just a little bit here. Said that in the moments after the fall, so all of creation was cursed in this moment, but God had already sorted out salvation instantly afterwards. Is that not impressive to anyone else? Am I not the only one that finds that really incredible and really amazing? That even today, that the moment that we fail, the moment that we get in trouble, the moment that we stray away from him, he's already figured out our salvation. He's already solved the problem of redemption. And he said, it's Jesus. Now we're talking. In the moments after the fall, he had already worked out creation. And if we look at what, what Eve did, and now what I think is funny is that until the very end of chapter three, she had never been called Eve. She didn't have a name. Her name was woman. Her name was the wife. She didn't have an Eve. And so the woman had said this thing and had, had done this thing. She said, you know, that the serpent had showed her the fruit and she realized that it was good. And so she took it and she ate it. Take and eat. <laughs> the words and the actions of the greatest curse of all time were the same words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, talking about his body. He said, this is my body which was broken for you. Take and eat. The same words that cursed all of mankind were the same words that redeemed all of mankind. So if you've got any question, I, I don't know about you guys. I know a lot of people, I know myself, and people aren't that good. People are not good enough to go, okay, this is how we're gonna set up this book. We're gonna set this book up in such a way that the same thing that cursed the world is the same thing that's going to redeem the world. So if you wanna question whether or not the Bible is real, listen, men aren't that good. And how incredible and how just profound is it that the exact same words that cursed are the same words that redeemed. And how amazing is it that God can take our failures and turn them on their head to make them our greatest strengths. Our greatest, greatest strengths. We talked a little bit about thorns we talked a little bit about thistles and we talked about the problems that they are. Do y'all remember when on the cross that Jesus had a crown of thorns on his head? If this doesn't give you chills, I'm freaking out right now just thinking about it. That means that Christ 
took the curse of the world, the weight of that on his head. It said that thorns and thistles would spring up. And I'm sure it wasn't lost on Christ whenever they took these thorns and wrapped them into a circle and pressed them on his skull. That he knew in that moment, because John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. So quite literally, who's speaking here to them is Jesus. Y'all, y'all tracking with me? So in Genesis chapter 3, we've got Jesus present. And so the same words that he says to Adam and Eve are the same things that are pressed down on his head to cause him the greatest pain. And when he took the weight of the curse of the world on to his skull. So what do we do? What's the... What's the application? Sherilyn kept saying, what's the, what's the challenge? What's your challenge? And because she put that in there, I get to talk about her. My wife, Sherilyn, she hates bees, despises them. Everything that buzzes is also a bee. It doesn't matter if it's a horse fly or a house fly. If it buzzes, it's a bee and it's designed to kill you. Sherilyn also kicks when she falls asleep. That's made for some pretty great stories, but she will jerk in some way as she falls asleep. Anybody, can, can anybody, else, anybody else got any testimony in this? As she falls asleep, it doesn't matter if she's on the couch, it doesn't matter if she's on the bed, it doesn't matter if she is in the car, she's going to kick. And so I, I always laugh because I was like, all right, she, she knows. Speaking of sleeping, Sherilyn is also fully okay with sleeping when I'm driving through the night, but is not okay with me sleeping while she's driving. (laughs) To say that there's a double standard, you know, you get it. He's got some testimony in that as well. Sherilyn has a puzzle obsession. So if y'all got any good puzzles, bring them to my house. We'll work them. She'll work them. Sherilyn would also rather read than watch television. And so you're like, that's cool, you get to brag on your wife, you get to talk on your wife. What is that, how does that connect? The reason why I know all these things about my wife is that's the greatest relationship that I have in my life. I'm in proximity to her. I study her. I, I focus on her needs. One of the most profound things that I ever heard in my life is that talking about a husband waking up every day and figuring out how to make their wife's life better. And I've always held that, and I've always tried to make that my goal. I am trying to get brownie points here, so you take that. But if the goal is relationship, and the goal is to have a good, positive relationship with God, when will we be in proximity to him? When was the last time we studied him? When was the last time that we sat? And we dwelled in him. Colossians 3 says that we will dwell in the word. Let Christ's words dwell in our hearts. When was the last time we allowed that to happen? When was the last time that we just basked in the light of Christ? 
Because the only way we're gonna have a great relationship with him is to learn more about him. I wrote down a couple of things. Is, is what's hindering this relationship? Is it anxiety? Is it another relationship? Is it just like the, the video was saying that maybe we haven't forgiven someone? What is hindering you from that? Maybe it's you're just saying, well, you know, I can't wake up at five o'clock in the morning and do a Bible study like, like these people do, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. And you've got this picture in your mind of what a relationship with Christ looks like. I wanna ask you the same thing that, that God asked them. Who told you that? So it says that they were naked. It says that, that the, the man and woman realized that they were naked. And she go, God said, who, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Because he said, it didn't come from me. And all these things that you're holding on to in your life, all these things that are hindering your relationship with God, God didn't tell you those things. That didn't come from God. And he's asking them in that place, he was like, where did you get your information from? Where, how did that come into your brain? Because it sure didn't come from me. Who told you that? Also, all the way back in verse 1, the question then becomes, are we neglecting God's word? Because the devil had the opportunity to ask Eve, he said, did God really say? Did he really say? And the only way that we can answer those questions correctly is if we know more about God's word than what the devil does. If we study God's word, the things that he says, if we study that is the only way that we're going to know for sure, did God really say? Did he really say that? And even if you look at the temptation of Christ, you can see that Christ was challenged on the word of God, which I think is so ironic because he is the word of God. Are we neglecting God's word? And when was the last time that we chose to be close to him? Scripture says that knock and I will answer and seek and I will find. That means that we've got to go to where God is. That we've got to look for him and be expectant and anticipating his presence. I loved how the song earlier said, I promise we didn't set this up this way and we had no idea prior to, but the song said, tune my heart to sing your praise. I'm old enough to know about bunny ears on televisions. I'm also old enough to know about radios that you had to tune and dial them in. It didn't ever matter what the, you know, what the numbers said on there. You just had to just keep, keep working it until you found it. To tune my heart. When was the last time you deliberately tuned your heart to what God has to say? To tune your heart to the things that matter most to him. And I just, I, I just love these, these similarities between the very beginning of the book and the very end of the book. Because we had all these questions about the coverings that Man tried to cover himself with fig leaves. And you can, you can read as deep into fig leaves and, and as deep into this as you want to that a you know, fig leaf is coarse and it's irritating and it's, you know, it's going to be you know, chafing, if you will. What a terrible word, by the way, chafing. That just seems, I don't know. 
You can talk all about fig leaves. You can dig as deep into that as you want to. But the truth of the matter is it's something that we try to make to cover ourselves will never last. A leaf is going to deteriorate. A leaf is going to die. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. And then at the end, as they're leaving the garden, the very last verse that I read, it said that God made animal skins to cover them. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. That there had to be a death. Something had to die in order to cover this this nakedness, this reality that we were no longer connected to God, that we were separate from him in some way. There had to be a death. And so what happened is Adam and Eve tried to take something that they were in control of and put it together, and then God actually killed a part of his creation in order to cover it. But then thousands and thousands of years later, God then killed a part of himself in Jesus Christ to make a full covering for life. So my question is, is that not worth your attention? Is that not worth your drawing near to him and your being deliberate about it? If the band will come, Rod, I have no idea where you are. Are you around, Rod? They're gonna like, they're gonna spring up out of the, out of the ground or something. What I want us to do is I want us to put this in action. I want it to give us a, opportunity to do exactly what I'm talking about right here in this place, and that is to be deliberately searching for God, to be deliberate. And we're going to be completely silent. After they get here, we're going to close our eyes, and we're just going to focus solely on our relationship with God. We're going to look for him. We're going to anticipate him in these next couple of moments. We're going to just Hey, go, go ahead, go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to just focus completely on looking for him. Just like I said earlier, scripture said, seek and you will find that when you knock at the door of God, he will always answer, seek and find as we take these next few moments to look for him.